This is Talking Hospitality, where we tackle and try to answer the burning issues and questions in the hospitality industry. In this very special, very different and extended episode, we speak to four contestants from four different seasons of the TV competition show, MasterChef. Sarah Cattell rejoins the show with regular host me, Timothy R. Andrews and Tracy Rashid. As we ask our guests, why would you go on TV and what happened after? have a spectacular quartet joining us today. Daksha Mystery, Mike Bartley, Miles Khan and Pookie Treadle, all culinary artists who brave the heat of the MasterChef UK kitchen. Pookie and Mike will be joining us via the magic of Zoom. A warm welcome to all of you. Hello. Hi. So Daksha, starting with you, we're curious, what was it that made you decide to plunge into the world of television and what was it that caused you to want to cook in front of the cameras and in front of the whole nation? To be fair, it wasn't me, it was my husband. Oh, like, basically how it started, it, he used to jump underground, get his own mental paper in the paper, requiring MasterChef contestants. So he just said, oh, just what he told me, because oh, you could do this. I said, come on, I'm a housewife. I could families and science, not for the BBC or for the public. No, no, you'll do it, you'll do it. So anyway, he made me fill the form in and here I am. Amazing. After 18, well, almost 18 years now. Amazing. So, I think it's important to mention at this point as well is that actually Factor was on the first ever series of MasterChef. So when, when you're saying there was an advert in the paper, obviously we don't need the advert in the paper now. Yeah. Everyone knows what the show is. Everyone yeah. jumps yeah. straight on the BBC website. I'm entering, I'm entering. Yeah. Yeah. But this was before all that. Yeah. So you were one of the OG MasterChefs. That's right. I mean, remember there was no social media in, I mean, there was, but not as what it is now. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was on MasterChef 2005, which was the original one that I was on, and then obviously no social media, but in 2006, they re invited me again. And that's when I came a BBC finalist. So it was twice I was there, series one and series two. I didn't, I didn't know, know that. that. Yes. So okay. series, series wow. yeah, the series one of MasterChef. Series one. exclusive Series <laughs> exclusive, yeah. But you know, it was like when they invited me for the second time, it says, we've saw potential in you. I said, really? Uh, I was like, wow, thank you. But, but then... It's because I was nervous in the first one because I was following what the others were doing, which I shouldn't have. I should have followed my heart and what I cook. Yeah. But I was seeing others, but other people do all this. Oh my God, I better start doing what they're doing. But that's where I failed. When they reinvited me in the second one, I did exactly what I wanted to do. And so I hate yourself. That's right. Yeah. It was me, Naksha. Yeah. And that's how I carried on. And soon after that, I opened up my private chef and my catering company, and I did wonders. I mean, I did so many things in between being a chef and everything. And then a lot of wedding caterings I've done in my li in my lifetime. And I've worked with Tim in the past as well. So, I mean, to be fair, where I was and where I am now, food is my passion. I know MasterChef was something that I joined and I became a finalist. But through that, my passion grew and grew and grew and grew. And I have learned so much and I'm still learning. You know, food is something that you, people think that you, you know something, but every day is a different day. So Mike, when you first stepped onto the sets, 
you know, that shiny MasterChef kitchen that we've all seen on the TV. Did you envision yourself holding the title at the end or did you just take it one recipe at a time? It was definitely a, a one recipe at a time kind of situation for me. So I was quite aware that I probably wasn't the finished article. I expected that there would be other cooks that might be a bit more advanced than me, but I was kind of relying on the fact that that I, I think I can take in knowledge quite quickly and and, and sort of learn. And that was my plan for the for the competition was just to pick things up as quickly as possible and learn throughout the process. And having watched MasterChef for so long, I found that a lot of the time the, the best contestants, the contestants that get really far are the ones that, that grow throughout the competition. So I kind of went in hoping that that would happen to me. As much as it would have been lovely to hold the title, that was my plan from the beginning was just to grow with the competition. Now, Miles, what was it like being in competition? Was there much tension there? What was it? Was it fun? I found it really stressful. I think, but that's just a personal thing. I put a lot of pressure on myself. You know, when I saw the briefs, I was like, well, this is, I've got this chance to go on the show. I think it worked against me a little bit was, I have a problem with wanting to put everything on the plate. There's many possible things. There's nothing, there's nothing going on here. It was like every texture, every flavor. And then I got the flavor thesaurus and, you know, like Mike said, you know, you kind of, you want to learn as you go and, and, you know, you're given briefs. So it is quite nice as a challenge to look at it. And I went with all of you know, the great British chef's website and I looked at all of the best techniques and I think I put a bit of pressure on myself really, but it, Yeah, I found it quite stressful. <laughs> there was a lot of nodding going on there. Does everyone else feel the same? Mike's definitely nodding then. <laughs> yeah, that mirrors my journey so much. I mean, I was definitely guilty of putting too much uh, on the plate in various parts of the competition, but also doing the flavour of the Soros, using great British chefs. Uh, it was exactly the same. Yeah, me yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Pookie, what about you? Did you have a similar, I will need to put it all on the plate or did you come in with some kind of game plan? Oh, no, I haven't got any game plan at all. I didn't even apply for MasterChef myself. Okay. So oh, my I friend know. and my husband put oh, me forward. Yeah. And uh, I only know about it on the last bit before he just clicks send. Because he's like, <laughs> 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 the application, he's like, because it's during COVID time, yeah, on our year, it's toward the end of the COVID. So... The application form is still during the COVID, like for on COVID times. So I was at home, but uh, every so often I, I like to do the, the uh, dinner party at home. This is before COVID, just before COVID, like sort of uh, when we have guests come over. And every time when my friend or family come over, they would just say, oh, you should go on MasterChef. I say, no way in a <laughs> No chance. And they just thought that your friend and family just like being nice to you like sort of uh, because they they're having a food for free yeah so they just have to say something nice <laughs> so i never thought of, of like sort of uh, i can cook in the level that to go on the competition so when my husband filled in the form and then he said oh you need to do the video clip to send i said video clip on what he said you need to do like sort of a short introduction to master chef i said no way so i didn't send any <laughs> introduction neither <laughs> So my husband just say, well, at least you do what your friend or what family and friend always say, like apply for MasterChef, you do it, then we will never call you. Don't worry. You're not that good, Bob. So I'm just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just send it again. 
what what percentage? So I didn't even register in my brand that he applied that for me. And then one day, Master Chef rang. I put that uh, this is BBC Master Chef. Uh, we would want you to like sort of be the audition. I'm just I thought that it's a prank call, so I put the phone down. <laughs> no, before I put the phone down, I say I'm so busy because I was on the way to get some sand and cement for my rental house. So just like I'm really busy, if you want to to talk to me, like ring back, put the phone down, click. But then the team ran back, didn't they? <laughs> They said, for real, I'm going to kill my husband. He said, they will never ring me. But then uh, they, they did ring me. So I went for the audition. But at the time of the time that uh, when the master chef ran that uh, we want, you got through and uh, we want you to be on the in the studio, the top 45, yeah? It's on the same day as I'm catching the flight to go to be on my boat. So I was like on the journey, like to make a big decision. One of the big decisions in my life is to get our boat because of uh, it, it's like buying the house. So I was like crying then because I can't do two things. I'm just thinking, oh my God, I'm going on a TV and I'm going to make a big decision on buying the boat. Which one? I, I can't do both at the time. Just like I can't, I can't really. I have the panic attack at the time. Just like oh, I can't do both because I don't want to like sort of do thing by half neither. But it just come at the same time. So to be fair, like going into Master Chef uh, Studio the first day, I just like clueless because of in the past I was working very long hours, seventy hours a week. So I hardly was Master Chef program. So I don't know the pattern or the formula or, or what, what people have to go through. I might see bits of the show, but never seen the full on show from like from the episode one to the last episode when they crowned the, the winner. So I only like the oh maybe some year. Did you all watch my obviously not you, Daxa, but did you all watch my show before? No. Or did you like <laughs> you all got yeah, you did. Mike's not in yet. I watched a couple of episodes, but I didn't watch. I never, I don't think I finished an entire series. Oh, oh, oh my heart. Um, and then, heart. yeah, and another podcast exclusive. It's saddening to be fair. But your series, Daxia, was to rebrand. Because Lloyd Grossman used to run the That's right. Show. That's right. And I remember it from those That's days. Right. So when I used to watch it back then. Yeah. 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 Because, because Lloyd, Lloyd Grossman was the original, but originally it was called MasterChef Goes Large. Yes. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. It was called MasterChef. And then they changed it to MasterChef. So all of those things, I remember that. Uh, and when, when we first started with the series one, I remember uh, there was a little bit of a conflict going on. With Lord Grossman yes, and, 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 and Shine, which is the actual production company, there was a little friction going on because they, they, he was saying that, well, no, this is not how the format should be. Something went pear shape and, and MasterChef took over. It had to go with the times. Yes, so, yes, yeah, yes. Absolutely. But yeah, I've been amazing, amazing. How many years now? Mike, looking back on MasterChef, would you say that it was beneficial for you as an experience? Or did it provoke challenges that you weren't quite ready for? I probably both, actually. So yes, it was beneficial as an experience. If I didn't go on MasterChef, I wouldn't be doing what I, I'm doing now. 
So it gave me the opportunity to to quit my day job uh, and, and work for myself as a private chef. So it provided the springboard for that. And I'm incredibly thankful. Sometimes I, I do wonder if, if I was ready for it. So occasionally I think maybe if I'd waited another year and practiced hard, I might have got a little bit further in the competition. But then I always go back to thinking, well, this is where I'm at now, and this is exactly where I wanted to be as a result of the show. So, so yeah, it, it was massively beneficial for me, and just such a positive experience as well. I, it, it be, being in the COVID year, it was quite bizarre, and we obviously didn't know what to expect anyway. But having been able to connect with other MasterChef contestants after the show, we realised that it was a little bit different. So there were, there were less contestants, there were less people going through, there were measures in place uh, throughout the application process and during filming. There were some things that we missed out on, for example, the, the social aspect. I mean, I've the contestants who've done last year and, and this year and they finish filming and go out for a drink and then go in for filming the next morning a little bit worse for where we didn't get to experience that. Probably a good thing, if anything. Yeah, yes. Um, so, but yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was massively beneficial for me, definitely. Miles, the same question to you is: whilst it's early days for you, has being a master chef had any massive impact on you already? Oh yeah, huge. I've done a complete like one eighty. I just went all in. Like I, I it wasn't a one foot in, one foot out thing. I was quite unfortunate that I took a sabbatical to go on the show. And then I thought, right, I'm going to go all in. And again, with the putting everything on the plate being quite, as we know, didn't work out. <laughs> but it, that was a massive learning curve for me. And I, there was a lot of things I could have done differently, but I didn't. I went all in. And then when I went back to work, I got made redundant straight away. So, yeah, I, they were like, now nah, I do the show and we'll support you. And you know, to be fair, they were really supportive, but... They got hit. I was in a design industry. Design industry got hit pretty hard by COVID. And yeah, so I got made redundant. And then I thought, no, came off the show within a week. I thought, I can't. I cried for a bit. I went mm. to the pillow. Yeah, I curled up. He keeps <laughs> rocking in the shower. Yeah, just like, I was like, I'm hungry, but I'm sad. And then I just, I was like, no, okay. I went on every website. I went on a website called Counter Talk and who do a lot of like encouragement for people trying to change career and yeah. chefs. And, mm-hmm. and I got in touch and I just said, look, I'm changing my career. I don't actually know what I'm doing. Can I just talk to someone? They called me. And they just said, right, just send out as many emails to as many people as you can. So I did that. And then I ended up doing like a day at butchers, a day at fishmongers. Then I went to buy a greengrocer for about a week. I just worked for free. I had nothing to lose. And then eventually landed a role at Elliot's and they took me in to put me in and just basically was just like, just absorb everything and any job you get, just do it. And so I did all yeah. the doubles, everything, but I, yeah, total 180 and just went completely all in, even though I was getting paid nothing for it. Just, mm. just went and learned as much as I could. And I was like a big, big game changer. Yeah, good for you though. Big yeah, game changer. Yeah. Yeah. Being stuck behind the desk. Yeah, just don't get your job. Yeah, yeah, very tired. A lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those doubles and chill. Really good. Diana. And finally, Picky, has your MasterChef experience influenced your journey in ways you never expected? In a way, yes. It add on to my journey because of my past and my plan with my husband is to go travel the world anyway. And we'll share what I cook on the board. 
But now with like so being in the mastership, the experience of a lifetime, it uh, make me see food a little bit more in depth, more like sort of a passion that go into it, the style and the method and the how to search for the ingredient is more in details than I ever thought that uh, I would go into. But after MasterChef, it made me like learn more. And I like to use the uh, MasterChef journey, including into my world tour that uh, I'm learning to sell. I still cannot sell. Um, <laughs> honestly, every day we're learning the new thing. I ripped the sale. I nearly burned the board down. I flat the board and all sorts. But I do have fun like cooking on the board as well. So it's like sort of try to combine the, the, the love and the passion of traveling and cooking together. And even on the board, I'm using the solar power when I'm traveling to cook my food. And I'm trying to create something that probably will be still be boogie style because my boogie style is like quirky and it's out there a little bit, but make it easier. And uh, make it like sort of you can use like like the local ingredient because you cannot just go down the shop and and buy noodle yes. or buy lemongrass or lamb leaf. You just have to be creative. You have to change your taste. You like do the search and talk to the local people. Like the other day, I just made the pasta in northern Italy area and do it on the boat, which is a uh, it it good for me to share this uh, knowledge with the people at home or people that live on the boat. So it's something fun as well as like sort of uh, gaining the knowledge. And my creativity, like I'm looking at the sea someday, yeah, like big wave and thing. I just like draw up the picture of the dish that I want to make. Amazing. 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 Just amazing. And then with MasterChef, believe it or not, like my fan is not like sort of the older, like sort of 20 odd years old. My fan is start from the age of five and six years old. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just like because of that, just like being like watching MasterChef when I was in the show yeah, last year. And uh, some of them crying when I cry or some of them crying oh. when I did and they send me like some of their passion or their menu or the name of their restaurant because of they're watching the show. So that, it just touched, touched my heart and it just like, I didn't know that uh, what I done in the show by sharing the imagination, by sharing like sort of a, I'm not really like so serious about it, you see. I'm just like, how we could go? I wasn't scared of making the mistake because of uh, I didn't read the recipe my thing is more or less like sort of uh, having a go and try try right or wrong and then creating something that I have in mind out onto the plate. So it, it is good that uh, even the young people like sort of follow me and uh, still until this day, they still write to me or That's having the video clip and send me. So it, it, is, it is like heartwarming. Right. And uh, also for MasterChef, like my say, like so you can earn the career, uh, make the career out of this journey. I do some sort of like sort of a collaboration. I do pick and choose job that I would sign in or, or accept because it's just my personal journey that I'm, I live on the board a lot. But believe me, with MasterChef, it opens so many doors. I think we all like so would agree that uh, you can make something. Like what we were all saying, I think there's a common factor is that I was pushed into going on the show mm. yeah. from my girlfriend. She, after two years, I just kept putting off the show and I was like, I'm not that good. Like I only just cook up home. 
She's like, no, you have to do it. No, you have to do it. And then constantly I do videos on Instagram and they're like, do it, do it, do it. And in the end, I just went to the pub. I sat down, I had a pint. And I was like, oh, let's, what the child is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it was a, there was a nudge, I think. I think there's a running thing yeah. because you're not blowing your own sweat, are you? You just kind of you yeah. do what you do because you love it. Yeah, yeah. Cooking and doing whatever you create and share it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I just have to tell to everyone, doesn't matter. Don't get too serious. Get in there and have a laugh. <laughs> but you can't help that but get stressed when you're in the studio or master chef. Didn't we, Miles? You just know, like, so you get the... Yeah, yeah, but it goes out, <laughs> goes out the window, right? Yeah. I'm just going to have fun about it. Don't worry about it. Once you're in it, when you see Greg and John, that's it. The, the clock countdown, you're just like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. He do not want to lose face in front of millions of people on the TV. So you're just thinking, at least get something on the plane. Actually, that sounds a familiar theme here, Pookie. Sounds American. Just chuck it on and hope something goes out. What's a single piece of advice you would give somebody who would be thinking about going into hospitality or on MasterChef? Love. You have to have passion and love because with that, you will have the stamina to go for it and try hard all the time because it's not easy. Hospitality... Master Chef is not an easy thing to go into. I mean, I, I know that I'm having fun doing it, but I do work hard to get the like easy dish to come out too. Even though I didn't have the time or the source when, when I was like sort of abroad. So when I go into the studio each time to film, it was harder for me. So you have to like sort of really have the passion and the love to be there. So both hospitality and uh, to go into mastership. So follow your dream and try hard. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us. Daksha, you wanted to say something? Food is, is passion. It's, mm -hmm. it's not TV. It's not MasterChef. You cook with the love and everything. So I, to me, what I do now is from my heart. Mm -hmm. And although I serve, I do my private chefing, I do my wedding, I do lots of stuff. What what makes me happy is when somebody goes, oh, Daksha, that was so nice. Thank you so much. You know, that's what I'm looking for. Not that I have cooked for this many people or what I've done. To me, when you cook with your heart and love, and that's what brings it out. MasterChef is good. Don't get me wrong. That's what actually brought me to doing what I do now. But all these cameras and TVs and it's there. It's a show. I agree. But... Food comes from love mm. and how you, and, and it's in your hands, yeah. right? And that's the fact that you're smiling as you're saying that just says it already. Yeah, it makes us smile, right? It does, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Food is love. But you know what? I've got a question for you guys, which has literally just come in my head. I apologize, off script. But we're all sat here in this room together, kind of, but we've only ever seen your recipes through the power of television. Right now, we're talking about your recipes through the power of podcast. Mm. I can't smell it, I can't taste it. Mm. And we, we're talking about what's happened since your future. Do you not sit here and think, right, let's do a legacy project. We're all, we've all been a master chef. Let's actually cook some food for the public to come and buy because I'd turn up. We're not in COVID anymore. We could come to a restaurant. Just putting it out there. Like a barrel market. And also, please do that. because We only want 10 percent. My house is fine.
We're all set to dive deep into your stories, into your experiences of grilling, roasting, and simmering under the spotlight. Ready to spill the beans? Let's get cooking. There has been a lot in the press recently about all school children having access to the arts, whether that be music, drama, or visual arts. Do you think that culinary art should be increased in that as well? Yeah, big time. Big time. I know just from my girlfriend's son alone, he, he's actually just kids in general, they, they're still navigating what, they, what they're doing. They're exploring everything. And with my nephews and with a lot of kids in the family, when they get in the kitchen and I hook with them, I can see them engaging in a very different way and they get really zoned into it and they focus. And I think with food, you can see the results of your labor mm-hmm. and you consume it. Yeah. So there is so many different elements of pleasure in that and, and satisfaction. You've, you know, you, you, you're putting in the work, you're seeing something go from like flour to bread. It's, just an incredible, it's like alchemy, it's an incredible thing. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and then to eat it and then have someone else eat it and then seeing like me and my, my nephew's dishes, they, they're so proud that yeah. there should be a lot of emphasis on that because I think as they get older, there's also, there's a memory point. Yes. You know, you can go, oh, I actually really like that. Look, I was never an academic. I was like, Terrible at maths. I don't see things. I see things visually. Yes. So being coerced into all different forms of, well, this, oh, you got to do this, or you should get into IT and you should be in design or maths or it kind of was just a new, like, movement with me because I ended up going back to the memories of when I was younger and foraging and getting around the table and helping my mum cook. And, you know, that process was what I ended up going back to. So I kind of went also <laughs> and later age in life. Sorry, not to your question, too. Uh, <laughs> what was it? Is that resounding? Yeah. So I've actually got a question really for the room. We've, we've touched on, just as we've spoken today, about how the MasterChef experience is actually quite intense. And kitchen work in a professional setting is intense anyway. It can be like that. So going through that really for the first time, did you feel fully supported through that process? Or did you feel that there was something you, you could have learned before which would have helped you? I don't think anything prepares you for what goes down. Yeah, you know, MasterChef, you know, you can't, it, you don't know exactly because, you know, you, you just, just you, you're in there. You can't prepare yourself because you don't know exactly what format, what, uh, what they're going to throw at you. Uh, all, all, like, like the mystery box. Yeah. Like, they, you know, they give you a mystery box and then you open it and you turn around and say, what the, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you open it, turn around, but that's where your brain starts ticking. No recipes, nothing. You just have to invent something from your head straight away from what you got in front of you. You know, you've got your flour, your basics underneath your cupboard, but the, what, what the main protein and the rest of it, you've got to create it. And, and, and it's amazing how things turn in your head. Oh, I could do this. I could do this. I could. And about five, six things come through your head. But then you've got the interference of John and Greg, and then you've got the interference from the cameras. And that's what actually makes things harder. Yes. Your brain is telling you, yeah, I can do this. But then all this interference that's around you makes it harder. So when you're on the set, things become harder for you, not because you don't know how to do it. It becomes harder for you. With the surroundings. Right. Okay. That's what makes it harder. I, I think every, every human 
in my, this is my opinion, every human knows how to cook. It's just, they're not. Starving? No, it's not that. Because it's because it's been done for them. Oh, okay. Oh, right. It's been done for them. Just to give you an example, my husband, right? I've been cooking for, for this long. Beans on toast, he still burns my toast. Yeah. But it's not about him not cooking. It's the love that, the way he makes it. I'll select it because, you know, to me, he's made it with love. Whatever it is, maybe a little bit crusty, a bit of burnt, but hey, you know, it's caramelized, I call it, you know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it burnt, I would call it caramelized. Yeah, if it's the barbecue, we wouldn't even complain about it. There you go, there you go. So, yeah, so to me, we, we don't learn to go on MasterChef. It's the media. And the question, uh, should the young people go into hospitality? Yes, they should. But also, it's the family. Like, for example, I come from an Asian family. All Asian fat parents will, wouldn't want their child to be in, in the hospitality because it's not what they, it's doctors, dentists, surgeons. That's what they're, lawyer, all of that is what is being forced by the parents onto the sibling, onto the child. But when the child goes to school, they want to do something different. So they're forced into doing something that they don't want to do. This is the old school, my style. Mm-hmm. But in the generation now, they're doing what they want to do. And they go home and say, no, I want to do this. And now parents have to listen because it's the next generation. Yeah. My generation was different. My, my kid's generation was different. But the next generation is going to be doing So hospitality is something that is worth it because to me, if you if you got the passion for cooking, I think you should go into cooking. What about you, Mike? What are your thoughts? To follow on from from Baxter there, I think uh, getting young people engaged with with cooking is is so important, and and I think a big reason for that is because of lockdown and when a lot of chefs kind of I mean there's a restaurant close to me where they lost all of their chefs one started doing his garden and realised that he loved it and it was easier than being a chef so he went and did that another person. Oh a delivery driver, and just just kind of opted for the easier life. And I think th- there's this kind of preconception still about maybe 20 odd years ago when it was all very like military style in kitchens and there's lots of swearing going on and, and really unsociable hours. And I think we have a responsibility as employers to, to move away from that and, and to show people that actually it doesn't need to be like that. The, the, the toxic kitchens don't need to be the case. And, and and the hours don't need to be long. So then I think it becomes more appealing and children will be, and, and, and young adults will be more willing to, to, to start exploring it and to use that creativity. And to touch upon the creativity that like, like Miles was talking about just now, I, I used to be a musician when I left school. So for a, about three years, I played in a band and I, th- I think at some point it just dawned on me that I wasn't actually that good at it, <laughs> but the, uh, the creativity <laughs> was there. <laughs> um, and, and I, I think it just, at some point it, it, it stopping playing music, it kind of coincided with starting cooking. And I think that creativity just sort of passed over. I think it's so important to have access to culinary arts in, in schools. Mm. But just arts in general would be a great start. It'd be a really good start. Yeah, yeah. I think if you have that mind, you can always transfer it. You can always transfer it to other things. So just some, just any kind of investment in creative arts would be would be a massive boost to begin with. You were saying that. I mean, I I, I work with schools a lot, and and when when I go in the kitchen, I mean. Me and Sarah's worked with together at one of the street foods that we did. It was amazing. And it's amazing how 
interesting they get and creative. They at one at once they had to create their own packaging as well. And you should have seen the packaging they came out with. It's amazing, you know, and 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 the love they put into it. So the passion is there. Yeah. So you know, this is where the schools the schools need to kind of push it a little yeah. bit and bring their creativity out. Yeah. I think. I think it's boundless thinking. Being creative is a way of thinking yeah. and it's yeah, boundless. Definitely. It is not binary. There isn't like right or wrong. It's not a test. There's no time limit. It's here's some stuff. What can you do? Whether it's music, whether it's drawing, painting, cooking, especially yeah. when you've got, the, there's a science, but you can do so much in there. And yeah. that I think is a relief for kids where they're in, you know, getting to school at this time, wake up at this time, you've got this time. And then suddenly you're given all this stuff and yeah. you know, just go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, now Daksha was saying that we, we actually went into schools together. Yeah, Tim was part of that as well. And yeah. I would question who had more fun with it. Our soul was in the yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing, I tell you. I was looking forward to going because to see those faces, I mean, it was incredible. I mean, the interest, they literally grouped up and they talked about it. And, and any questions, they used to say, Miss, miss. So call reduction. It's all right. It's call reduction. You know, it's so amazing. But you know, I, I loved every bit of it. So, Miles, actually, you said in an interview with the BBC uh, when you were doing MasterChef that you really want to inspire people to be more resourceful with food. Yeah. And I know you're passionate, passionate about uh, fresh ingredients. You just talked about how you like to do foraging. Now, given that we've recently been told that we are sleepwalking into a global health disaster with processed food, what would be your solution to that? So imagine that I gave you all the power to make that change, do whatever you want. What would you do? Give everyone a course in fermenting and pickling Ooh. and longer yeah, shelf life foods and less wastage because you can do so much power of, of curing, aging, drying. And that's been like my focus since I've come off the show is to... That is my, I got them that Loma guy that I'm sure Mike's probably got that book. It's just incredible. It shows you how many different ways you can get flavor profiles, textures, alcohols, acids, you know, savory, all of these things, which are really quite affordable to buy. Everyone can buy it, but it's healthy. They're natural biomes and yeasts grow locally. So you can you know, ferment something in one place and it would be different to the ferment you would get somewhere else. But it's all done local quality of good water, you know, the air, you know, the amount of salt being using the right source. Things that everyone can afford and add to the dish to get flavor. Because you can make stocks like that, misos, kojis. The list is endless and all it requires is time. I think process food, the problem is we want things, we want it immediately. We don't want to put the, the time in for it. Right. If you have a lot of these things on the go at the same time, like I love walking into my kitchen, having a play around, and then looking up at this, I've got like jars ahead of me. <laughs> jars on jars on jars of things that have just been there for like two, three years. Like oh, vinegars I've made two, three years ago. One of my favorites is uh, I made a uh, ginger beer and nice. I left it fermenting too long. And it started to turn acidic. You know, the thing was bowling, exploding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you have not had an exploding bottle, you haven't done for uh, <laughs> And I, uh, I got to the point where I was just so much, it was like, like nine liters of it. And I thought, you know, I just couldn't be asked 
Then I found out, you know, I looked at the science behind it and then the, the, the alcohol tends to acid. Yeah. Then I made this massive, massive batch of, of vinegar. So I've got like ginger beer vinegar. And oh, I use that. Wow. It's so it's versatile. Amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Pickles, so, Thai foods. You know, I mean, you, you're saying, it, uh, you know, fresh food and pickling and stuff. I agree with veganism. Don't get me wrong. I agree with them. But if you become a vegan, there are vegetables galore out there to eat. Why does processed food have to be done? Vegan sausages, vegan this, vegan that. Mm. If you have given up meat, yeah. why do you crave for a vegan sausage or a vegan? It's, it's, pro- it's, pro- yeah. it's processed. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, processed food is going up. If you think about it in supermarkets, right? You see aisles of processed food that people think, oh, I'm vegan now. I can, I can eat that. But they're eating the processed food. Yeah. So to me, that misconception, isn't it? it's very much, it's very much, mis- yeah, which is wrong. Yeah, yeah. To me, in, in an Asian or in any family, vegetables galore, lentils, you got pulse, all kinds of, you can eat, eat, eat happily fresh vegetables and make really nice dishes. Yeah. You don't have to go to plant based. This is my opinion and I've never agreed with it and I don't think I will ever will agree <laughs> with it. To me, vegan, yes, I agree with it. Yes, don't eat the dairy products. No problems, but going to the process side of it, I'm not, it's, yeah. it's not. I agree with you. You know, fermenting things, uh, making vinegars out of it, or, or you know, kimchi, for example. Oh, yeah, kimchi. I, I mean, it's amazing kimchi. It's amazing. It's, well, actually, it's really, really does. very easy to make. So, Mike, before you were doing MasterChef, you were working in hospitality. In uh, a large, well-known chain, you will have seen, and I know the sort of food that you get there, is what we would call big food, which is a lot of processed food. There is some fresh there as well. So what is what is your take on this? Because I, I kind of feel now, now we've had this conversation, I want to be someone who describes their diet as freshism, because I don't yes, want to be yeah, anything that's yeah. not fresh, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that, but, yeah. But Mike, how do, you, how do you feel about processed food now that you've been a MasterChef? MasterChef was part of the journey in my realisation that that processed food doesn't have to be the norm in, in every household. And there are a number of reasons for that. I mean, I was working for the, for the large uh, chain I started working for head office. So I was a little bit more kind of detached from the, the food in the shops and I was traveling around the country. I think rather than looking for the big chains, I started to look for independent companies when I was going to different cities. So I would spend a little bit of time just doing a bit of research to find out where I might be able to get some better quality food. And, that, and, and that's, that's what it comes down to for me is I think if you go to to independent places, the food is always sourced from independent suppliers and it's just better in quality. And the one thing that I always come back to when I'm talking about this is a problem that I have all of the time and it's kale. And the supermarket kale is awful. It is so bad. It's terrible. It's chopped up and it's got loads of stalk in and it's just, yeah, it's, it's rubbish and it's in plastic packaging as well. It just does not need to be like that. And sometimes my suppliers can't always source great kale and it absolutely kills me to have to go to the supermarket and buy it because it's just totally different. It's completely different than it should be. But I've, uh, over the last few years, I've got really got into growing my own fruit and veg. Um, I've got quite a large allotment now, but it started off with just a few few plant pots in, in my backyard. And I think 
There are a number of benefits for that. From for that, and and the first one, I suppose, is that it's cheap. The seeds are really cheap. Yeah. Uh, you get such a great yield. So you know, for I don't know, fifty pence worth of seeds, you could be you could be eating spring onions or whatever. For so. it tastes so much better. Yes. Yeah. The flavor of the tomato is so much different. So than, different. I mean, yeah. than what you grow yourself. I always use a tomato as a reference point. Tomato is yeah, Even the coriander. I, I've, I've obviously I use coriander a lot. Yeah. You buy a coriander from any any green grocers or even supermarket. It doesn't smell like coriander, right. but you grow it at home. It smells so yeah. lovely. Yeah. I mean, it, the freshness of the coriander is amazing yeah. when you grow it yourself. Yeah. It, it doesn't take long. A few seeds, like I said. That's it. And that's well, the, the feeling as well, like that, that feeling of eating something that you've grown from a seed. Yes. Yeah. You can't beat that. And I think once you experience it, it's quite difficult to go back to, to buying things purely for convenience. Mm. And I realise that not everybody has the space. And I guess up here in the north of England, like I'm, I'm lucky in that respect because I do have a bit of space to, to plant some seeds and, and whatnot. But yeah, I, I just think there are so many benefits uh, to growing your own fruit and veg and moving away from processed food in general, which is... Yes, yeah, so, so that's kind of my journey from from working for a big chain to to where I am now. If I was out and about, I just wouldn't look to go to big chains at all at all now, really. And I yeah, think the quality. And we are literally can see now why everybody's been on MasterChef because the passion yes. about food is just yeah. coming out of everybody's heart. And if you're listening to this, you can see the smiles on the people's yeah. faces just smiling. talking about just it. Talking it's about just, and I'm really just great. <laughs> and I'm really hungry for fresh food. <laughs> for someone thinking of a career in hospitality, or actually who is thinking of going on a reality TV show like MasterChef, What's the single piece of the device you would give? And we'll start with Mike. Well, I'm going to split that into two. So for a career in hospitality, I would say get out there and try as much as you possibly can. A bit like what Miles was saying earlier. So I went to work at Roots in York with Tommy Banks, did that for free. And that experience was so, so valuable. And it completely changed, probably more beneficial than MasterChef. It, it just changed me as a cook. So that's my piece of advice for a career in hospitality. For MasterChef... I would say do what you do well and stay in your lane. And that's that's a piece of advice that I picked up from Alexina, who was it who was in my year. And when I heard that, I thought that is so right because I could specialize in whatever. And then take, for example, someone like Nick, who was on MasterChef this year, who who specializes in Latin food. If I tried to cross over into his lane, I'm never going to do it as well because that's his thing. And then that means that there's one person that's probably going to beat me in that round. So yeah, so do what you do well, I think. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Passion for food has to be there. Go and try different kinds of foods. That's what I think. You know, go and, go and taste. If your food passion is not there, it's going to be difficult for you to get into hospitality. Getting on reality show, again, you go on it, do your best, but don't try to follow others. My mistake was to follow others and I failed miserably. Failed <laughs> <laughs> miserably. So I think do something that's in your heart, cook the way you think, and don't follow others. Yeah. It's going to take you in the right place. If you try to follow other roads, unfortunately not. Thank you. Miles. I think I would probably say that if you want to go on the show, just... Remember that it doesn't matter where you finish. You win wherever you need. Correct. Correct. Because what you learn in the process 
It's, it's a learn. It's, the whole thing is a learning process. Yeah. You learn how to write your recipes better. You'll be more focused on what you actually want to cook. You know, you'll, you'll focus more on the foods you want to build on. As every chef would do, and it, you would look at a dish and you would want to make it better or better, and it forces you to refine yes. the things that you already do well. Yep. So, yeah, be prepared to just be happy to go wherever you go, as far as you go. Yeah. A big thank you to all of our listeners who made this podcast possible. We would love, love, love to hear your thoughts and feedback on this episode. And would you like to have more done in this kind of style? What did you think of our guests? Who would you like to see coming on? Feedback in the comments or write us on social media. Sadly, that's all for this episode of Talking Hospitality. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening and stay awesome.